I'm Mark Wormald. Uh, I am from the Department of Biochemistry. And then we have also got Nick Green, who is a chemist, um, and Martin Spate, who is a biologist. This talk is about chemistry, uh, biochemistry, biological sciences. Uh, what we thought we would do, or sorry, well, let's be more accurate about this. What I thought we would do, since I'm the one who did the slides, is start off with um, a bit of a chat about the subjects, about these courses, and then deal with sort of generic admissions matters later on. Um, I'm more than happy if you've got questions, if people just want to ask away. You can stick your hand up, shout, I really don't mind. Okay? If you want to save questions to the end, that's also okay. Um, so just as a little overview before we get into the courses uh, in detail, these are the three courses we're going to be talking about. Chemistry, which is a four-year course, ends up with a master's degree at the end of it. It's an integrated master's course. Biochemistry is, again, a four-year course and an integrated master's course. Uh, biological sciences is a three-year course, and you end up with a bachelor's degree. We want to be a four-year course, but uh, this lot stole all the money. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> hey, we don't object to this. We want the money. Thank you very much. Um, so, the difference between a three-year course and a four-year course, or be between a degree and an integrated master's course, um, a degree is what you would do at almost every university. You come, you study for three years, you ha have practicals, you do short research projects, you sit exams, you learn about the subject. Difference with a master's course, a master's level course, is you have got to be able to prove you can do the research. It's not enough to say I can learn the subject, I've got to be able to do it as well. And so these integrated four-year courses for chemistry, uh, chemistry and biochemistry, the fourth year is a research-oriented year. In chemistry, it is a nine-month research project. You spend nine months in the lab. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. Um, for biochemistry, yeah, they're a two-term research project and then some advanced research options to do. But that's the difference between a three-year and a four-year course is this fourth year of research-based work. The general philosophy of science courses in Oxford, um, we run integrated courses. We don't run modular courses. And this means that you can't mix and match. You can't say, I want to come and do these modules from chemistry and these modules from biology, and I would also like to do an economics module and a law module. Okay? You come here to study a particular subject, chemistry or biochemistry or physics. Um, and the whole three-year or four-year course is meant to make an integrated view of the entire subject. And the reason we do this is because we don't think you can actually break science down into boxes. You can't say, let's study that little bit in isolation. Um, give you an, an example from biochemistry. If you're going to study genes um, and the control of gene expression, you could do this. You could look at the mechanisms for controlling gene expression. What are the proteins involved? How do these processes work? What that doesn't answer is the really fundamental question, which is why? Why is this particular gene controlled that way? In order to know that what answer to why, you need to know what the gene produces. You need to know something about the protein. You need to know something about the protein function, which in involves knowing something about metabolism. Or it might involve uh, knowing something about cell signaling. You need to know what happens if that gene is switched on or off at the wrong time, and that may require some knowledge about developmental biology. So you can't study that little bit in isolation. You need a view of the whole subject to be able to answer these interesting questions, which are, why does it work that way? And that's why we have integrated courses rather than modular courses. Um, and that, if I may say, so I know, look, we're just jumping in. That, what's the big difference between here and, and the new place that we call Cambridge? Um, so I think thinking of, of Oxbridge, that's one of the big distinct differences. Um, in Cambridge, you can do natural sciences stuff, and... You, but you can't do a single degree in chemistry or physics or math or that sort of thing. So that's the bottom line. Yeah, really. absolutely. Within each of these courses, you do get some choice. Not a lot of choice in chemistry. A moderate amount of choice in biochemistry. We'll talk about this. A lot of choice in biological sciences. So although they're integrated courses, you do get some choice along the way. We just don't call them modules. Um, okay, so if we now turn on to the subjects. Uh, we're going to start with chemistry. Okay, so uh, I'm going to tell you about the chemistry uh, course. Uh, um, and as Mark said, uh, chemistry is a much broader subject at university than it is at school. 
and uh, you'll be surprised that although it's a chemistry course, it covers a lot of other science that's related to chemistry. And so um, students are often surprised when they come into the course in the first year, they get hit with quite a lot of physics, or things that they think of as physics, but we think of as chemistry. They get hit with quite a lot of biology, and they get hit with a big maths course. Okay, so, and the reason for that is you need the maths, because maths is the language of quantitative science, and you can't do quantitative science without really having a good grasp of maths. And in particular, um, calculus is... Uh, you can't do science without calculus, and unfortunately at school you're not allowed to do science with calculus. I'm sorry, you can do some kinds of science without <laughs> calculus, but that's the kind of science where you kill things. <laughs> Not a grudge match at all, this talk. No, 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 not at all. That's the de definition of life scientists, yeah? It's that life scientists kill things. <laughs> Whereas the rest of us, I don't know what, what the opposite of life scientists is, but you can make it up for yourself. Cookery. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so there's a lot of, lot of maths in the first year, uh, and it goes way, way beyond A-level. <clears throat> there's a lot of um, physics in the first year, there's a lot of biology in the first year, and there's a lot of chemistry in the first year, but it's all aimed at understanding chemistry, and chemistry is the study of the life, the world around us, from the point of view of atoms and molecules. All right? So it's all the physics of how atoms and molecules work, the quantum mechanics of how atoms and molecules work, what happens when they collide with each other, um, the, the forces that operate between them. And similarly, the biology that you'll learn is the molecular side of biology. We don't do... Um, population dynamics and things like that, which you do in, in, in a proper biology subject, but we're interested in how molecules interact with, uh, with, with, uh, with living cells, because a lot of my colleagues spend their lives designing drugs for the pharmaceutical, uh, you know, to cure particular diseases. So, <coughs> so, so you need to know some biology, you need to know some physics, you need to know some maths, but there's a lot of chemistry. And in the first year, we build up those foundations. Um, and at the end of the first year, we make you do an appallingly awful set of examinations, um, four of them, um, one in each of the three branches of chemistry and one in maths, uh, and you have to pass them all. And that is a feature of the Oxford system that at the end of the first year, because the first year is basically the foundation on which you're going to build the rest of everything that you do, you have to pass those exams. That's the qualification to get into the second year and to get into the, 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 the honours school. And we're very selective for our students, and nearly all of our students do manage to pass those exams, so there's no particular problem. And if they don't pass them the first time round, we give them a second chance. Um, and so we lose a few students. There are one or two students where we've made a mistake, very, very few, but then there are um, a few students who've decided that they'd rather do something else like row, <laughs> drink, or whatever <laughs> students do. Um, and, um, but, but nearly all of our students do get through these first-year exams, uh, and that you don't, they don't really realise why that's necessary until the second year hits them. Uh, and in fact, I gave a second-year tutorial yesterday and the student said, you know, I'm really enjoying it much more this year because I see how, how it all starts to fit together and I'm understanding why we had to do all these thermodynamics and quantum mechanics and things like that uh, last year. So um, in the second year, we build on that first year. Um, we do lots of core chemistry. We build up all the really main bits of chemistry that make it fit together as a subject. Um, and at the end of the second year, we do... Um, uh, a set of three exams which count 15% towards the finals. Now, during the course of the second year, we do allow you some option. All, right? All of the core material, everybody has to do. But if you want to do some extra for no credit, we'll allow you to do an extra course called a supplementary subject. Uh, now, I, I did teach for 15 years in another university, and because I'm being recorded, I'm not going to name it. <laughs> And I can assure you that if I'd offered um, 32 lectures and a, quite a hard exam um, for, at the end of it for no credit, um, the number of students opting to do this course would have been countable on the fingers of zero hands. Um, but in fact, three quarters of our students do opt to do this, and that gives you some indication of the level of motivation and commitment that we're looking for in our students. Um, they're doing these courses 
In, so, in, in some cases, there's a quantum chemistry course which actually takes you in quantum chemistry way beyond uh, degree level in most universities, in, uh, in fact, what we would require for de degree level here, uh, and that's a second-year course, right? So you can really take something that you're interested in into a lot of depth. If you're interested in... Um, um, more sort of um, life science-y things. There's a chemical pharmacology supplementary subject and there's a supplementary subject in, what's it called, aromatic and heterocyclic pharmaceutical chemistry, which is about uh, sort of drug design. Uh, and um, for those people who want to do something different, they, we, we allow you to do a language at this point or you could do a, uh, um, a course in history and philosophy of science. So all of these things are, are possible, but they're extra, they're add-on. Students choose to do it as an extra, they, you, you don't have to. But it does give you some, some option in the second year. Okay, uh, in years two and three, <coughs> uh, uh, well, there's a practical course. Chemistry is a practical subject. <coughs> we want to teach you to solve problems using experiments, and we want to teach you how to do that safely, in other words, without killing things. Or yourself. Or yourself. <coughs> Uh, and there are various ways in which you can kill things or yourself in chemistry labs with um, fires, explosions, poisons, and goodness knows what. So you have to learn how to do these things in a safe way <coughs> Excuse me, and make safe assess assessments of what you're doing, design an experiment to solve a problem. And so the practical course is important, and the practical course counts for 10% uh, of uh, the degree. And um, the, you don't have a photograph up there of our practical labs, um, two of our three practical labs are so old that they are listed. Uh, one of our practical labs, not only is the lab listed, but the benches and the sinks in it are listed, <laughs> which means that we can't do very much with it. Um, obviously, we try to do um, as good experiments as possible um, uh, in a quite old-fashioned environment, and uh, we did get an um, accreditation, from the Royal, uh, accreditation visit from the Royal Society of Chemistry last week, and one of the accreditors said he thought that the lab course that we ran in those labs was the best course he'd seen in the UK. So in spite of the... I just thought I'd let that uh, through to my colleagues who <laughs> think that my lab course is a problem because we have these really ancient labs. Um, we do have a plan to build new labs um, um, at the back of the zoology building. Yeah, we know. <laughs> um, we go, not only do we steal their money, we steal their space... Uh, it sh should be said that we, we didn't steal the money from any of anybody else to run our four-year degree. We've been running a four-degree in chemistry here since about 1920, right? Well before anybody even thought of four-year degrees or integrated master's degrees. The degree here has basically always been a four-year degree, and the fourth-year project has been an integral part of it. Um, uh, and everybody else has sort of um, followed on our coattails. So... Um, in year three, we still teach some core chemistry. So the first term in year three up to Christmas is still core material. Everybody does all of it. Um, and um, then after that, we allow you to do some options. And we, in this term, we're teaching our options. We have 16 options covering, covering a really wide array of things. So atmospheric chemistry, for example, which is obviously very topical at the moment, um, uh, they're lot, uh, I'm trying to think what they all are now. Um, they, uh, there's one on um, NMR, there's one on liquids, there's uh, several on different aspects of synthesizing um, organic molecules, there's one on biophysical chemistry, there's one on bioorganic chemistry, there's one on biological chemistry, um, uh, and uh, there's some on things like crystallography and, and solid-state materials because one of the strong features of this department is, uh, is the solid state. Um, in fact, uh, if you have a mobile phone, um, the material in the battery in that mobile phone was invented in the Oxford Chemistry and Materials Departments. Which is, yes. So they're complaining that the, the batteries don't last long enough, but that's just tough. Um, sadly... We didn't patent it, and so Sony have made billions out of it and not us. But uh, that's the way it used to go. <coughs> um, so at the end of year three, you get a set of exams, and these are synoptic exams. They cover everything in the course up to that point, right? This is not a modular degree. You don't have modular exams. You can't learn a module and forget it again. 
at the end of year three, you get examined on everything. And that means that we can ask questions on how different bits of the subject link together. And that's one of the reasons that we don't teach modular degrees here, because it's really important that you understand the links. So at the end of year three, we, we, we set six general exams um, and an option exam. And that counts 50% of the course. And that's really quite high pressure. You know? um, but having got through that, you get the reward, which is the fourth year. And the fourth year has always been <coughs> a research project and nothing but a research project. Right? You join a research group, you do research, your own project, and there's actually you know, nothing like it. <coughs> it's not a sort of middle-sized project which you'd get in some other universities with other courses running alongside it and exams. You've done enough chemistry to do research at this point and you're in the lab 100% of the time for nine months doing this research project. And it's, you know, it's an, there's nothing like the experience of doing research because you do something, you're doing it for the first time. Nobody else has ever done this before, right? You, or you're making a molecule that nobody's made before, or in discovering a new kind of reaction that nobody's seen before, or understanding some, um, some difficult aspect of um, reaction dynamics which nobody has understood before. Right? I mean, I'm a theoretical chemist. I mean, I have my name on a theorem. A mathematical theorem, you know, and there's nothing quite like the buzz of, um, of, 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 you know, doing something new and being the only person in the world to have done this. Um, you know, it's quite something, and we do allow us uh, allow this to our students, and our, many of our students do really good projects which get published in the literature, and um, many of them really um, come on so much during that year that they do uh, really, really well afterwards. In fact, I had a student who came to me at the start of his part two years saying, oh, well, this is a waste of time, I want to be an accountant, why can't I just leave? To which the answer is, well, we won't classify your degree if you don't do the project and you won't get a job as an accountant without a 2-1. So he said, oh, all right. And by the end of this um, project, um, he completely changed his mind. He went on and did a doctorate, um, ran straight into a faculty job in a university in the United States, and was bought back for something like £30 million by the EPSRC to start a new institute in Manchester about five years ago. So um, the Part 2 project changed his life, and he's by no means unique. Uh, many other students' um, lives have been changed by this Part 2 project, including one who did a Part 2 in biochemistry and subsequently got the Nobel Prize in medicine, if I remember rightly. No, Mark will tell us about that. So the Part 2 is brilliant. It's the jewel in the crown, and it's a unique feature of the, uh, the Oxford um, system. Um, right. I've vastly said too much there. Okay, so over to biochemistry. Um, biochemistry is something that you lot probably haven't done. Uh, at least you haven't labelled it as biochemistry. Um, you do little bits of biochemistry and chemistry. You do little bits of biochemistry and biology. So I thought we'd start with a definition of what biochemistry is. Um, we've got about 20 research senior researchers in the department, I can get at least 25 different definitions of biochemistry out of them. Um, so this just happens to be my definition, uh, which is use molecular methods to investigate, explain, and manipulate biological processes. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the way life works at the level of atoms and molecules. And that's what distinguishes biochemistry from biomedical sciences, um, and actually to biology as well. They're all trying to understand life, but they're understanding it at a higher level. They're not necessarily interested in what are individual atoms doing. If I change that atom, what's the effect? They're much more interested in the larger scale, uh, an organismal level or a system level, rather than at the level of molecules. So biochemistry is about study of life at the level of molecules. Um, and what we're trying to do is to see what's there. That's the boring bit. Unfortunately, you've got to do it, but never mind. Explain what's there. Why is it there? That's the really, really fun bit. Why has evolution produced this particular solution to a problem? Why is that, has that protein evolved that way? That's the interest, the really interesting question. Um, and then also to manipulate. And there are two reasons for this. First of all, you can't actually guarantee that you've understood something if you simply look and say, what's there? And can I envisage a theory that explains why it might be there? 
The test is whether you've really explained, uh, understood it is to say, right, I, I think I understand this. That means if I go and make this change, I change that particular atom, that particular part of the molecule, it should have the following effect. Here's a prediction. I can now go and test that prediction experimentally. So to ensure that you understand it, you've got to be able to go in there, make a change, know what the effect is going to be. And when we get it right, you can then be confident you understand it. And then eventually, we also want to be able to make money out of these things. Um, and all medicine is based on going in and making changes and manipulating things. Okay? So if you're interested in drug design, this is what you're doing. So drug designs, all drugs work at the level of molecules and atoms. Um, all drug design comes down to chemistry and biochemistry. And so a vast amount of the research that goes on in this department is understanding molecular bases for disease, but then trying to work out how you go in and manipulate that. Okay, the structure of the course is similar to chemistry. Uh, the first year is, if you like, a foundation year. You do a series of courses, and you do courses which are some main biochemistry courses, but also some peripheral courses, or more peripheral. So we have three main biochemistry courses, which is uh, molecular, cellular, um, biology. That's the cell bit, organelles, these sorts of things. Um, we have biological chemistry. This is the structures of biological molecules, proteins, DNA, lipids, oligosaccharides, and their properties. We have biophysical chemistry. That's the physics and chemistry that you need, the thermodynamics and the kinetics. And we do two other courses, organic chemistry, which we share with the chemists, and the, uh, uh, a maths and stats paper, uh, course, which we share with the biomedical scientists. Um, and actually, some of the biology we also share with the biologists. And again, you do all of those courses. You have to pass all of those courses at the end of the first year. That's, if you like, a foundation year. With all of these, the exams at the end of the first year, same as in chemistry and biology, don't then count towards your final degree. Okay? So if you come in knowing less, you know, you've had, for whatever reason, you're behind other people, um, you know, you've been at a bad school or you've had a different education system, it doesn't really matter. As long as you get up to speed by the end of the first year, then actually you start counting marks towards your degree at the beginning of the second year. So you've got a year to get up to speed. If you come in with very, very weak maths, you will struggle. You probably won't do very well on the maths paper at the end of the year. But as long as you're up to speed by the end of the year, it then doesn't matter for your overall degree. We then get on to the second and third years. Uh, unlike chemistry, there are no second year exams, um, which everybody is pleased about. Um, you then simply have exams at the end of the third year. And just like chemistry, we ha you cover the entire course. You can't pick and choose for exactly the same reasons. We have an integrated course. You can't turn the Oxford Biochemistry course into a molecular biology course or genetics course. You have to do everything. And the course is split into four areas. Hence, four pictures. Um, first area, macromolecular structure and function. So this is the level of individual molecules, the properties of molecules, drug design, these sorts of things. Second area is metabolism and bioenergetics. These are the chemical, basic chemical reactions that are going on within cells. How do those chemical reactions happen? How do these chemical reactions talk to each other? How can we put these together to make entire biosynthetic pathways? Third course is genetics and molecular biology. So this is all about information. The, there's the really, really, really boring bit, which is DNA. I mean, most of you probably think DNA is wonderful. It, trust me, okay? I've done this a lot. It's boring. Okay? What's really, really interesting is the control of extraction of that information. If you've got a gene, you don't want just to have a gene. This is a protein. Fine. How do you turn it on? How do you turn it off? How do you control the level? There are genes in your body which have to be switched on at the right stage during development and then switched off again 48 hours later. You switch it on too early, you die. You don't switch it off 48 hours later, you die. Okay? You switch it on for 24 hours, you end up with some horrible disease. How do you do that? How can your body manage to work out at this particular point, as a fetus, I need to switch this gene off, 48 hours later on, I, I switch it off, and it has to stay off for the rest of your life. If it ever gets switched on again, you die. That's the interesting bit. And then the fourth is cell biology and integration of function. So now we're up to the large scale. How do cells talk to each other? How do they communicate? 
Uh, how does the immune system recognise pathogens? How do we start putting all of these basic chemical processes together in order to make complicated systems? And you have to cover the whole lot. Okay? Within each of these areas, you get some choice. So within each of these four areas, you have to cover, by the time you get to the exams, probably about 60% of the material. So you get some choice within each area, but you can't say, well, I just hate biophysics. I'm not going to do biophysics. You've got to sit the paper on biophysics. End of the third year, you then do six papers. Um, and this counts for just slightly over half your degree. One paper in each of these four areas. Uh, there is then an integrative paper, a general paper, which will have very general questions where you pull together information from several of these areas to answer a much broader question. And then the sixth paper is data handling. Okay? Uh, just like um, biochemistry, uh, biochemistry is an experimental science and it's quantitative. So you've, we give you data, you interpret it, you do calculations, you try to work out what it all means. We then get to the fourth year, and as with chemistry, the fourth year is research-oriented. We really, really wish we could do a full nine-month project. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, I am a chem I'm a chemist at heart. I did actually do an undergraduate chemistry degree. I did a nine-month research project. It's wonderful. Okay? They won't let us do it. It costs too much, but never mind. So you do a two-term research project, and I cannot agree enough with what Nick said about research projects. It, it's absolutely wonderful. But there are research projects, and there are research projects. If you're doing research, you have to be doing it full-time. You cannot do research while you're also attending lectures or having tutorials. You know, I'll pop into the lab for a couple of hours and do an experiment. And that's not the way that research works. If you've started an experiment and it takes five hours instead of three hours, you've got to be there for five hours. You can't say, oh, I've got another lecture to go to. I'll put it on. I'll press the pause button. Okay? Okay, if you're a theoretician, maybe you can. <laughs> I will press the pause button on my computer, but probably not. But also, if you're doing research... You can't do research quickly. Most research fails. Okay? If it didn't fail, it wouldn't be research. We would know that it worked. Everything is wonderful. So, you know, for my research, if I get an answer... Well, actually, to be perfectly honest, if I get an answer every six months, I'm doing really, really well. If I get a meaningful answer once a year, I'm happy. Okay? So you've got to have a long enough time for research to actually be able to try something that's new and get it wrong and make mistakes and improve to get an answer. So anywhere that says you can do a sort of a proper research project in six weeks, all they can do in six weeks is give you something that already they know will work. You can't actually go through the process of doing the research. All you can do is actually physically do the experiments. Um, and as Nick said, part two is absolutely wonderful. For some people, it changes their life, as in it convinces them they never want to do science again. Um, <laughs> for the majority, it's the opposite way around. Uh, when we do surveys of third years uh, students, they get to the end of the third year, we have about 25 to 30% who want to stay in science. You know, I have been studying this for three years. I am fed up to the back teeth of this. I never want to see another book. I never want to see another library to do with science. I want to do something different. I want to have money. Okay. By Christmas of the fourth year, so that's about six, eight weeks into their project, we have around about 60% of our students applying for doctoral positions. And probably another 15 to 20% who are thinking of staying in science but moving out into industry. And that's what the fourth year does. Okay? The 20% who don't want to do science, some of them are actually the ones who said they did before the research project started. So it really does change people's views. Okay, so just as a last little bit, just to sort of summarise that... Um, these are the sorts of questions we're trying to address in biochemistry course. Okay? We are trying to understand what life does. We're trying to get to the bottom of why it does it. That's the really interesting question. Um, and then, as we say, hopefully make a buck out of it at the end of the day, if we're lucky. Well, I feel like the odd one out, as usual. Um, obviously, biochemistry and chemistry are so similar that it doesn't really matter which one you choose, because they're both just <laughs> smells and bangs and cookery. Um, <laughs> we are different in many, many ways. First, of course, is we are a third year, a three-year course only, and we do sometimes kill things. Um, but I suppose our view, really, is, is that we would take off 
take from where these guys sort of finish with the molecules and the genes and the cells, and we put them together to produce living creatures, predominantly, some of, some of which we do allow to live. Um, basically, we would argue that we, we, that we have the m more choice and a, and, a, and a greater breadth of things that, that we can offer people. Um, Oxford's by no means special when it comes to teaching biology. There's no sort of special Oxford biology recipe because it's like anything else. Chemistry is chemistry. Biology is biology. But we do have, as, as the other degrees do, we have lots of our own, what we call value-added. We have our own botanic garden, our own arboretum, our own wood. We have the very first designer-built Natural History Museum in the galaxy. Um, the one in, in London's fairly new and modern. This sort of thing. Ours is older. Um, and the, the crucial thing for me to say so, first of all, is most of our students do not become biologists. I mean, um, Nick and Mark were talking about what their, their products, if we may call them that, end up doing. I would say three quarters, two thirds of our lot don't do biology. So they do everything from accountancy, medicine, um, journalism, advertising, all these sort of things, saving the planet. Some of them try and do that, but that's pretty pointless. Um, the other point which is really important is that there are lots and lots and lots of options, including a field course to Borneo, that sunrise in a Borneo rainforest, which I'll talk to you about in a bit more detail. Do you go to Borneo, you two, at all? Oh, shame. Um, do you, just Mars. Yes, that's where you're from. Um, so, um, the first thing that, to point out is that there is no such thing, unlike biochemistry and chemistry, as a department of biology or biological sciences at Oxford. Again, we wish there were, but for lots of historical reasons, or hysterical reasons, there aren't. There are departments of plant sciences and zoology, and together we teach the degree of biological sciences, which we all call biology to save ink, basically. Um, by the way, I would love to be able to show you around zoology where I'm from today. I can't, I'm sorry, because of security. If anybody wants to come and visit, email me, come to one of our open days, or this sort of thing. We can chat afterwards here, but um, for various reasons, I can't take you over there today. But obviously, we're very happy to see people. Um, this is the third year. Let's go back to the first year. Like uh, my colleagues were saying, we do treat the first year essentially, I don't like the word remedial, but... It covers an awful lot of ground. I've just finished helping the Cambridge um, assessment exam people to review yet another version of their A-level syllabus, um, and also the, pre, the Cambridge Pre-U, which some of you may have heard of. And it's full of biochemistry, genetics, molecules, cells, the physiology of the human kidney. Um, but it's this very little ecology. There is no systematics. I mean, there isn't, you know, they really, they know how the kidney works, but they don't know where it comes from. You know, they, they can't tell a pig from a spruce tree, is what I say. So we do start off right at the beginning with three modules, all of which are examined at the end of the year. One's called organisms, which is microbes, plants, animals, this sort of thing. Um, one's called cells and genes. Guess what's in that? And the third one is ecology. Uh, which is part and part of the ecology course, as you'll see, is um, a, a first-year field course. This is some of our kids, some of our students, on a beach in, in Wales, having a wonderful time. Do you go to the beach in Wales at all, in chemistry? Like, no. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Must be us. Um, now, that's the only year out of three where there is no choice. I hate the word compulsory. So these courses are non-optional. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's much more polite... In the second year, there are some non-optional courses. One's called Evolution, and the other's called Quantitative Methods. As Mark and, and Nick have been saying, even biology does count things from time to time. Um, so we, all, we insist that you do something called, essentially statistics, uh, more than anything else. You don't need maths for it, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about what A-levels you need later on, but um, we find that QM, as we teach it, is so alien even with maths A-level, then everyone starts from scratch. After that, oh, and then there's a, then there's a compulsory, non-optional course in evolution. The rest of it, essentially, you can choose, you can begin, essentially, at the end of your first year to tailor, if you wish, your degree to suit you. Um, in the second year, there are six optional um, lecture courses. There are six 
skills-based practical courses. We're very keen that you know how to do things, just like chemistry and biochemistry. So we take you out into the woods and you can count insects. We, we, we get you to look at videos of chicks and this sort of thing, animal behaviour. You can look at experimental evolution, which takes a long time. Um, but you do it in, 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 on bacteria, so it doesn't take that long. Well, yeah. um, that's examined at the end of your second term, in fact, um, after Easter of your second year, it's slightly bizarre, and then you start your third year, three-quarters of, two-thirds of the way through your second year. This is Oxford. We, we don't want the rest of the world to understand, you see. It would be too easy, wouldn't it? Um, and come the third year, then, really, the sky's the limit. Uh, these are, at the moment, 20 titles for 20 or so specialist options or themes two of which are field courses, one to Borneo, which I may have mentioned earlier, and another one to Tenerife in the Canary Islands. Um, and we, we encourage our students to choose about six of those, six or eight at the most. Um, so really, you, you have a choice, in, in particularly in biology, is that you could decide to really, really want to be um, a disease biologist. <laughs> Somebody must. Um, or I really want to be a marine ecologist, which is what I am. Um, and you can begin to sort of pick and choose these various things, tailor them towards that aim. Or probably much more sensibly, and most of our students do this, is say, I don't really have a real feeling for marine biology or disease biology. I'm really interested in infection and social evolution and a bit of public health stuff and um, other things. And you just mix and match. Crucial point, particularly in a three-year course, is it's only the start. It really is the basis for something else. And so the best plan is to do what you enjoy. Don't be too prescriptive. Don't be too sort of, you know, blinkered, as it were. And, and you'll get the best degree, and then you go on, so unfortunately, somewhere else, or you or stay here and apply again to do your MSc or your PhD or become a lawyer. Um, we also do research as best we can. I was slightly sort of worried to hear Nick say that... Um, Mark say that, that you can't do research in six weeks. Unfortunately, we have to. Um, but obviously, counting sheep isn't very complicated, <laughs> is it? You know, one, two, lots. Um, we do encourage our students to choose virtually every, anything and everything. And it's mainly done in the summer term of the second year um, and then on into the vacation of the second year. And a lot of students will go overseas to do this. Again, do you all go overseas a lot? To coral yeah. reef at all, do they? Right? Yeah, Diving they rainforests? They, they, they get to Princeton. Oh, fine. Isn't is that, is that on Dartmoor? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can basically choose any aspect of biology you can think of. So, for example, we have people looking up to, up to botany, um, terrestrial ecology. We, people, some people work in a lab, you know. Um, because they really wanted to do biochemistry or chemistry, but, you know, missed it up. Or um, you can come with me to the Caribbean and dive with whale sharks. It's a very close call, obviously. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, oh, don't, I think I'll stay in a lab. Hmm. Um, but uh, because of the time constraint, clearly, we, we, we can't have students spending nine months looking at whale sharks in the Caribbean. We wish we could. So it's a much shorter project, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and we wish we could have longer, but at the moment we can't. Is that the end of me? That's the end of you. Oh, right, okay. Can I just, just um, find, f finish off then, that the crucial point is, and the difference between chemistry and biochemistry that I want to stress is choice. That sometimes it'd be rather nice, I think, to have no choice, because at least you haven't got to make a decision, um, and, and we do, and we do sort of envy you guys sometimes, but particularly as a, as a college tutor, um, at the beginning of a new year, they say, what am I going to do? How do I choose six out of 20 options? You know, this sort of thing. Well, it's not easy. But the double-edged sword is at least you can eventually sort of choreograph your life through the degree at, at Oxford after the first year. Um, so that's the sort of an overview of the three different courses. Um, do you want to do questions about courses now, or should we wait to the end? Oh, no, why not now? Okay. Have people got any questions about the, the, what you've heard so far? Yep. What is involved in biophysics? Um, almost anything you care to name. I'm a biophysicist myself. So biophysics ranges from quantum mechanical calculations of reaction steps in enzymes all the way through to structures of very large-scale things like bone, amyloid, their, bio, their, their physical properties. But generally what you're trying to do in biophysics is you're trying to understand the properties of the molecules 
that go to make up biochemistry. So we want to know why the molecule has that shape, why it has those particular chemical properties. If I change something, if I take a protein and change a particular residue, how does that change the shape? How does it change the properties of that molecule? So it's studying the molecules involved at the level of atoms. So, so also, in, uh, we, we teach a biophysics option in chemistry, and uh, that's um, largely about the properties of um, macromolecules, um, but it's also about how you manipulate them. Uh, and so in that option, we deal with things like optical tweezers methods, which are for you know, manipulating single molecules, because chemistry and biochemistry has now got to the stage where you can image and manipulate single molecules and see single molecules um, reacting. And in fact, one of our most successful spin-out companies, um, Oxford Nanopore, is um, a single-molecule DNA analyzing kit, which I think is currently valued at about a billion well, I can tell you something about biomedical sciences because I actually chair the first-year committee <laughs> that runs biomedical sciences, <laughs> one of the many hats I've got on. And I also teach it. And he also teaches on the biomedical sciences course. Um, so the biomedical sciences is, if you like, the human version of the biology course. So it does do a little bit of the chemistry, the biochemistry, the underlying principles and the genetics, but mostly it's about the next level up. It's about the physiology. It's about putting these things together to make an endocrine system. Um, it's about taking your kidney and saying, okay, what does it do? Why does it do it? How does that fit in with the rest of the system? So if you like, it's doing what the biology course does, but specifically for humans, and then specifically and also with a very medical focus in terms of what goes wrong and what are the consequences of it going wrong. Yeah, just, just one more point on that. Although we shouldn't be doing this, there is another degree course at Oxford called Human Sciences, um, which is sort of a... Well, hotchpotch is the wrong word, rude word, but basically it's, it's a combination of lots of things, obviously human-based, but it takes sort of some of the medical stuff, some of the genetic stuff, obviously, but also geography and economics and social stuff. So if you're interested in people but don't want to be a doctor, have a look at human sciences, it, actually. It's, it's quite an interesting degree and very unusual across British universities. The other thing I would say is I spend a lot of my time on the road talking to people like you guys, trying to convince most of you not to do medicine right from the start, or dentistry, or veterinary, or anything else. Um, some really want to, and I understand that. No, I don't understand that. No. But, <laughs> but, but um, I mean, the point is that a lot of people these days, including our own products, go on to do what we call fast-track postgraduate medicine, or dentistry, or veterinary. Um, in my view, it's much better to do your three years or your four years basic course because it's just possible at the end of your three years, as you've been suggesting, you've changed your mind. You don't want to work with sick people for the rest of your life. Um, and more and more, we're having people do a first degree, like ours, and then going on to do graduate studies in medicine or the other related subjects. Okay, well, what we'll do... Hold on, sorry. Because we're running out of time, uh, save your question to the end. Um, we will zip through the admission stuff. Do you want me to just... Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly... I'll quickly run through the admission stuff quite quickly, and then we'll have questions on that, simply because I know you've been sitting here for 50 minutes already, or longer, and you're probably getting bored, but never mind. Um, but obviously more questions on courses at the end, if you like. So this is just an overview of the application requirements for these three um, subjects, and what everybody is interested in is the stats. Um, for all of these courses, we get around about four applicants per place, something in that order. Uh, this is actually not bad. If you go to most universities, they're getting 10, 15, 20 applicants per place. Uh, so statistically, it's much easier to get into Oxford than almost any other university in the country, <laughs> uh, other than Cambridge. Um, though, so um, there might be a certain sort of you know, level of competition that you need to factor into these numbers. This is always the danger with statistics. Uh, for chemistry... You must be doing A-level or the equivalent chemistry and maths, and it is a good idea to be doing a third science. I don't think it's an absolute requirement, is it? But it's, it, it helps. For biochemistry, you must be doing A-level chemistry or the equivalent, and another science or maths. Okay? Um, some people do three sciences, some people will do two sciences, and something else. We, it, that doesn't really matter. Um, it is useful to be doing maths beyond GCSE. 
So statistics at the moment show if you are doing GCSE, if you haven't done Maths past GCSE, your chances of getting an offer go down. If you're doing AS Maths in either year 12 or year 13, you have the same success rate as if you're doing A2 Maths, the full A level. Okay? But if you're not doing AS Maths, then your chances of getting in are less. Uh, for biology, you must be doing um, biology A level or the or equivalent. Human biology. Or human biology. Um, and then it is helpful to be doing another science or maths, but they don't absolutely require it. None of the three of these three subjects have a pre-interview aptitude test. And the reason for that is we're getting three to four applicants per place. Um, the reason that the Oxford runs these um, aptitude tests is to be able to shortlist people. We can't interview properly more than about three applicants per place because we can't give people enough time. So we would, what we want to do is get the best three applicants per place and interview them and put them through the process. And the aptitude test helps us do that shortlisting. Okay? In these subjects, we don't need to, because we're getting three to four applicants um, per place anyway. Um, so what are we looking for? Um, the usual things. Okay? Academic ability, problem solving, all of these sorts of things. That's the one that people ignore, and that's possibly the most important. Where you start from is, is this the right course for you? If it's the wrong course, your chances of getting in are small, no matter how bright you are, no matter how good your school reference. Okay? I had somebody apply um, in the last couple of years, post-A-level, who had five A-stars at A-level in maths, further maths, physics, chemistry, biology. And a reference from the school that said, this is the best scientist that we've ever come across. And we didn't take them. And it was very simple. You sat them down in an interview, and they had no interest in molecules. They really weren't prepared to engage with molecules. He should have been a biologist. If he'd applied for biology, I suspect he would have got straight in. But he applied for the wrong course. He came and he talked about genetics and population genetics, and I'm really, really interested in the molecular biology. And, well, what about the molecules involved? Oh, well, I don't know anything about those, and I'm not really interested. So if you choose the wrong course, your, you know, your chances are very, very small. Secondly, you've got to choose a course not only in the right subject, but the way a course that the details suit you. So if we, again, we'll stick with biochemistry because it's what I know about. If what you're really, really interested in is biotechnology and the transfer of biochemical research into industry, please don't come to Oxford. Come to chemistry. Come to chemistry, absolutely. There's very little biotechnology in the Oxford course because it's all about the fundamental understanding of these biological processes. Okay? Bath runs a biochemistry course with lots and lots of industrial links, industrial placements, a huge amount of biotechnology and industry within that course, and it will suit you a lot better. So please look at the course, make sure it's suited to you, and if it isn't, it is likely in interview this is going to come across. Okay? And for all of us, enthusiasm and interest in the course comes almost point one when we're assessing candidates. So, in terms of the application process, um, for these three courses, you start with the UCAS form. Okay? And we will look at everything on the UCAS form. Uh, AS, uh, a, uh, GCSE results, AS results. If you include your AS grades on your UCAS form, we'll use those. Um, predicted um, A-level results, uh, school reference, personal statement. Okay? We'll look at everything. Out of those... Possibly the least important is the personal statement. Okay? I know it's the one that you will worry about, um, but please don't. Well, at least don't worry about it for us. Personal statement matters less to Oxford and Cambridge than almost any other university in the UK. And the reason is we have a lot more information about you. We don't only have this, but we have the interviews. In other subjects, we have aptitude tests, we have submitted work, which other universities don't. So for other universities, that personal statement actually means quite a bit. For us, it means less. Okay? Add to that. If your personal statement says how much you want to be a medic, <laughs> then you're applying to the wrong course. And uh, we probably won't even bother interviewing you. Yeah? So if, if you're really applying to medical schools, and this is your fifth choice or sixth choice or whatever it is, Don't. Then, then, then it's not a good idea. Yeah? Because... We will rule you out on the basis of that. We're looking for people who want to study the subject that we're, we're exactly offering. Exactly the same in biology. 
Absolutely. Okay, so... Um, can I... Sorry, can I... Yes, of course. Sorry. As you can tell, we didn't rehearse this at all. Um, Mark may well be going to mention this, but in, in terms of, of the A... Um, the A-star numbers and at GCSE, the crucial point is not everyone's equal, as, you, as we all know. Uh, there's always the dilemma, before anybody asks, I'll mention it first, you know, which school do I come from? What's my background? Am I state, independent, inner city, sixth form college, comprehensive? So it's not just the numbers on a piece of paper, it's the, con- the context of where you did them. So it, the really crucial message I'd like to put over is every single person is an individual. So, you know, it's not, I got 10 A stars, I'm in, I got two, I'm out. It's absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. We look at where you come from, we look at your background, we look at what your school is like, where it's from, and the, and the average scores. So, it's not, you're not in isolation, you are, you are you, and we base you in your particular background. Oh, absolutely. I mean, bottom line, all we can expect people to do is excel in the environment they've been in. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who have excelled in the environment that you've been in. So if you have got 10 A stars and that puts you, you know, 50th in your school, we're not going to be interested. If you've got 3 A stars and that puts you top of the school, yes, we are. Uh, I uh, would like to disagree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (coughs) This is not... Rehearsed, as you can see. <coughs> um, it's true that most of our students have got good GCSE grades, but there are some students who are late developers, for example, who don't do very well in GCSE and who come on much more in the sixth form, and we certainly would not rule those out. So students, um, and I myself in, uh, am in fact an example of that, um, I scraped into the sixth form of my school by one grade. It was a very high-performing school, and I did very badly at it but yet by the end of the sixth form I got a scholarship to Oxford. Uh, and so it's, we do look at GCSEs, but it's not the end of the world if your GCS, GCSEs aren't good, so long as you're going to do well in your A-levels. Um, okay. Generally, if, if you've got poor a GCSE results or poor AS results, it doesn't rule you out. What it does is it raises a flag. It says this is a worry. If we've got something in the school reference which then says this is no longer a worry. They performed badly at GCSE, but they've improved dramatically. They performed badly at AES, but that was because illness or whatever it happens to be. Then we say, right, we've put that on one side, we can deal with it. Okay? If you've got generally poor performance and no sign of improvement and no extenuating circumstances, then this is a problem. I mean, what we're, do- we're, not- we're looking for indicators which will suggest that people will do well on our course. What we're not doing is just saying, oh, well, that's a good qualification. That's, you know, fine. If they've got it, we like the qualification. If it doesn't actually help them in the course, then we're not interested in it. So in all three courses, what we're interested in is your three main A-levels. If you're doing a fourth A-level or not, it doesn't really affect anything. Okay, so um, let's talk a bit about GCSEs, about um, ASs. What we're looking for, again, is people on an upward trajectory. 